Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? One moment, please. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry, this is important. My wife is texting me with the honeydew list of all the things I must do before I leave the house to go uh, to Woodstock for her strongman competition day. I've got to go by and pick up chairs, and I got to pick up a tent, and I got to buy sunscreen, and I look, I'm I do whatever she wants. It's her weekend. Just hope she pulls the truck and not her back. Now, the talking points have gone out. I so you know so the slackers are gone. Charlie needed to satisfy his bloodlust and go kill animals, so he's in a deer stand somewhere for the weekend. Uh, his poor wife. I bet he comes home and just reeks. But nonetheless, um, gets it out of the system. He has a relaxing, quiet weekend by himself in the woods somewhere in the North Georgia mountains. Dodging bears. Philip takes a week off for his birthday to go watch hockey in Florida, which still boggles. But why the heck does Florida have hockey teams? But nonetheless, I'm here by myself. So I didn't put a paywall on the show notes today. So you can see all this stuff. So if you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, click that top link. You go see the show notes. The talking points are out. My buddy Andrew Walker, I, I was happy to put his screenshot of his tweet in my show notes today. Because the talking points have clearly gone out. This is from Samuel Perry, a political scientist. Quote, if Mike Johnson is a Christian nationalist, then I guess we're all Christian nationalists. Yeah, if you want to disregard separation of church and state, establish Christian dominion over the nation, criminalize homosexuality, overturn the election, you lose. I guess you are. He's he's a left-wing professor. Here are the headlines. This is from MSNBC. Mike Johnson's Christian nationalist record isn't a mystery. It's a tragedy. Uh, that That's one. Let, let's see. Here, here are the others. Uh, and you can see them all in my show notes. Uh, this one from Newsweek. Mike Johnson's ties to Christian nationalism revealed. From left-wing Daily Coast, new speakers are Christian nationalists on steroids. Who has already shown his hatred for, I don't even know what that stands for, Mother Jones, Mike Johnson's long flirtation with Christian nationalism. And then Politico has an interview with Kristen Dumez, who is a left-wing professor who claims to be a Christian so she can assault it from within. 
She's she's if she's a Christian, she's a pretty bad one. I mean, she's not down with really any Christian orthodoxy, and she writes about how um, modern Christianity and and the whole idea of complementarianism stuff just came from John Wayne movies. And she wrote the book Christians and John Wayne or whatever Jesus and John Wayne uh, doesn't actually even know her stuff. She just has an axe to grind. So they give her a a platform and claim her credentials, make her an expert, even though she's not. And she's like, oh, he's a Christian nationalist. He's a Christian nationalist. The talking points have clearly gone out. It's so obvious this would be the talking point about Mike Johnson, that he's some sort of Christian nationalist. Let me tell you what Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House of Representatives, believes. Mike Johnson believes that uh, Adam and Eve were real, that there was a fall, they were exiled from the Garden of Eden, which was a real place. He believes there was a very big global flood and a man named Oaf spent a very long time building a boat by faith, knowing something was coming and the whole world ridiculed him. And he got on the boat when it started raining, the animals went in two by two and he saved humanity. He believes Moses got the people out of Egypt, went to Mount Sinai, received the law, parted the Red Sea, got him to the promised land, himself did not enter, but the Israelites did. King David was real and set up the house of David and Israel divided into two, uh, Judah and Israel, and that Christ himself is real, that he was born of a virgin mother, was crucified under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, was buried, descended into hell, on the third day rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven. He sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and will come again to judge the quick and the dead. He believes in the Holy Spirit, the communion of saints, the Holy Catholic Church, meaning universal, not Catholic. He believes all those things that Christians believe. One of the things Christians believe is that if we vote for Bible-believing Christians who take God's word seriously and uh, believe in the inerrant word of God, that we will improve the country because we will put people with our moral convictions and power. The left has come to term that Christian nationalism. There is a thing called Christian nationalism. That is not it. Actual Christian nationalism generally means that we are a Christian nation set up by God, should honor God, and all of our laws and everything else should be directed towards him. We should get rid of pluralism. We should get rid of a uh, re religiously tolerant society. We should pass laws that require people go to church on Sunday, become very puritanical, things like that. Uh, there is a Christian nationalism. That is not, not Mike Johnson. Now, Mike Johnson might believe we should uh, reinstate the blue laws and, and make businesses close on Sunday. I bet a lot of union workers would love to have off Sundays. He's not a Christian nationalist in the sense, but they don't really care about the sense. They just want to slur him, slander him. Mike Johnson is a Bible-believing Christian. Mike Johnson believes marriage is between a man and, man and woman. Mike Johnson believes homosexuality is a sin and that sex outside of marriage is a sin. And so, therefore, uh, non-heterosexual married sex is a sin. He believes Men and women are made by God, therefore we can't make ourselves male and female. He believes there's a heaven and a hell. He believes there's a last day. He believes there's a day of judgment. If anything, you should take comfort in the fact that he does because the man doesn't want to burn in hell, so he's guided by some moral parameters that the left is not. 
There are things the left can get away with that Mike Johnson can't get away with because they have no fear of damnation in hell, and Mike Johnson does. So he'll be more restrained, if anything, than a progressive. But the progressives hate the idea that he believes in a God and a heaven and a hell and has some moral standards, including the fact that he's ardently pro-life. So they wish to scare everyone. Here's a problem with the way they scare. Um, Mike Johnson believes homosexuality is a sin. He's a Christian. It's what the Bible says. It's pretty explicit, actually. And he believes that um, men and women should get married and have kids and that marriage should be between men and women. When the left vilifies him for this, do you really think they're helping themselves with um, black voters who tend to be more socially conservative than their progressive white uh, peers in the Democratic Party? Do, do they think they're helping themselves with Hispanic voters who are the most socially conservative voters in America? When they belittle Mike Johnson for believing Adam and Eve were real, as do a majority of Americans, by the way, who do the Democrats think that helps them with? Uh, do they really think they're going to pull Jews back to their side by calling Mike Johnson a Christian nationalist when Mike Johnson supports funding Israel, thinks Hamas is bad, and it's uh, the progressive elite in America who are tarring and feathering Mike Johnson who are chanting, uh, we want Jewish genocide? Who, who, who do they think it helps? See, it makes them feel good. It makes them feel good. It makes them uh, feel good to belittle the Christian speaker. It plays well in their bubbles of coastal elites, but it really doesn't play well in middle America. In fact, blue-collar workers and the poor are more likely to go to church and be Bible-believing Christians than these secular white elites, so they can be religious bigots, and that's what they're showing is their own religious bigotry, but it makes them feel good to do it. It's notable it's groups like uh, Mother Jones and MSNBC and Daily Coast left-wing purveyors who are belittling Mike Johnson for his Christian beliefs because these are all a bunch of progressive atheists. They don't believe in anything. They believe in everything because they don't believe in anything. They don't believe in God, but they believe men can become women and women can become men. Their brains are so open, they fell out. So they don't like a reasonably constrained man guided by faith. That's what's going on here. It actually is religious bigotry. It's the same manifestation of religious bigotry against Christians that you see with these uh, Hamas-supporting students in the streets at Ivy League colleges. It's a manifestation of that. Mike Johnson believes in God and is grounded in his faith and therefore is grounded in a group of moral absolutes that he's not going to deviate from. And you should all actually be thankful for that because you can speak to him through those moral absolutes instead of moral relativism. And you know he's not going to shift on sand. He's going to stand firm. And that makes him easier to deal with and more predictable, which is a good thing, frankly. And it also makes him less dangerous than those who can shift their morality around as they see fit. Now, he was on Sean Hannity's show. Let me play you some of this. This is part of what has gotten the left all in a, in a tizzy today about him because he dared to say something that even the progressives say in quiet, but they never say out loud. That's the problem I have with him. It's, it's philosophical. Look, um, I'm sure if you've ever seen my show, and I don't know, I didn't ask you if you've ever watched it, um, the president, in my view, has been struggling cognitively 
it's a significant decline that I see. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the tape, the interview that he gave a gaggle on Air Force One when he was flying back from Israel. After, by the way, a lot of allied nations did not want to meet with him. Leaders did not want to meet with him, which I found to be a pretty big snub. Um, I don't know if you saw that tape. Do you see in Joe Biden a cognitive decline? And if so, is that a danger to the country? I do. I think most of us do. That's reality. It's, this is not a personal slight to him. It, it has to do with, with age and acumen, and everyone's different. Everyone ages differently. Clearly, if you look at a tape of Joe Biden making an argument in the Senate Judiciary Committee a few years ago, and you, you see a speech that he delivers now, there's a difference. Um, again, I mean, it's, it's not a, a personal insult to him. It's just reality. And this is, this is what's concerning to us, is that we, we, we cannot project weakness of any kind on the world stage right now. This is a dangerous time for all the things going on around the world. The world is a tinderbox. A strong America is good for the whole world, and we have to project strength. I mean, Reagan used to remind us all the time, it's peace through strength. If, if America shows weakness, it invites aggression by our adversaries, and that's what you're seeing around the world. So uh, I think that's a really important thing to remember. And also, Sean, also remember, um, I, I've been watching your show since I can, as long as I can remember. All, I don't 25 years almost? I love when people tell me. <laughs> Uh, a little more here. Um, this is a little more from the speaker on the shooting in uh, Maine. Every shooting incident, the, the media call by the left in this country, we need more gun laws, we need more legislation. What's your answer to that? At the end of the day, it's the problem is the human heart. It's not guns, it's not the weapons. At the end of the day, we have to protect the, the right of the citizens to protect themselves, and that's the Second Amendment. And that's why our party stands so strongly for that. I agree with the comments of, of your guests there. This is not the time to be talking about legislation. We're in the middle of that crisis right now. Uh, but I just want you to know, and I want the American people to know, that all the members of the House here are deeply concerned about the families involved and everyone. And we, we pray for the law enforcement officers that are doing that hard job tonight that most people do not have the uh, bravery to do. Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, one more here. Um, he has an adopted black son, and what's notable is the left is attacking him for having an interracial adoption. Oh, uh, it's it's a reality, though, having raised two 14-year-old boys in, in America, in the state of Louisiana. Um, they had different experiences, um, and, and I'm not so sure it was all about skin color, but it is about culture and society. Uh, Michael, the the... Our first um, came from a, a really troubled background and had a lot of challenges. Jack, on the other hand, we was raised in our household from the time he was born. And it, it just struck me, uh, Sean, that it's a reality that you know there are different um, there are different paths in life, and people have lots of things they have to overcome. And so it, it gives you a lot of empathy. Empathy, something more and more people on the left don't have. They are actually they're attacking him for being a Christian nationalist, and they're attacking him for having an interracial adoption which the left these days thinks is bad. They don't like interracial adoption anymore on the left. It's just profoundly disturbing manifestation of racism on the left these days. And they're pretty upset with Mike Johnson for it, but sounds like he'll be a good Speaker of the House. Howdy. It is an open line Friday, but you got to be patient with me because I only have about a minute here and some of you have waited for a little while and I don't want to rush you off the phone. So uh, you can get in now. The lines are open 877 7425 if you want to call in. Uh, we got a lot more that we've got to talk about today. Uh, but right now, this is impressive to me that they've finally been able to figure this out. Um, Arabella Advisors is a 
Left Wing uh, is considered like a, a holding company nonprofit. Um, uh, if you're a progressive, you can give money to Arabella Advisors, and then Arabella Advisors funds various causes and, and invests your money. Well, Arabella Advisors uh, is investing in the pro-Hamas cause. Many of the donors to Arabella Advisors are progressive Jews. Washington, D.C.-based Arabella Advisors contributes to any number of progressive nonprofits through its new Venture Fund, Hopewell Fund, 1630 Fund, North Fund, and Windward Fund, which have contributed combined $10.8 million to anti-Israel groups. These nonprofits have supported radical Palestinian activist groups that have been linked to terrorism and agitated against the United States support for Israel in the wake of the October 7th terror attack by Hamas jihadists that killed more than 1,400 people. The largest share went to NEO Philanthropy, which collected $5,161,465 from four of Arabella Advisors' five funds since 2018 and runs a project founded by anti-Semitic activist Linda Sarsour. This left-wing group, Arabella Advisors, is pouring money into anti-Israel causes and pro-Hamas causes. And again, many of their donors are Jewish people who wanted to support the left and are instead supporting those who would call for genocide against them. Amazing. Right now, 10 regional banks have had their credit downgraded. They're going to keep making profits, undoubtedly. They might even get a bailout by the government or sold off to one of the two big-to-fail banks. My friends at Swiss America have been sounding the alarm on what's going on. They've got a report called The Secret War on Cash about the all-out assault on our freedoms. With soaring interest rates, squeezing the economy, banks teetering on collapse, Swiss America can educate you about how to save your hard-earned assets now. All you need to do to get this free report, The Secret War on Cash, is call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. So go check out The Secret War on Cash, free to you guys. All you do, you mention Eric Erickson, you call or text 800-289-2646. If you text 800-289-2646, just text Eric Erickson, E-R-I-C-K, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric, SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call or text 800-289-2646. Message and data rates apply. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, it is an open line Friday. I do want to spend time with you on the phones. we got some folks who have been waiting a little while to get on. Gordon, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program, Gordon. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? I just on? wanted to uh, address the issue of the the, um, the shooting. Yeah. Everybody wants to blame it on the guns. They don't want to uh, acknowledge that it's a mental health issue. A lot of people don't know that 54% of gun deaths are suicide. And in those cases, we realize and acknowledge that it is a mental health psychological issue, and we want to address that. But when it comes to anything else, it's the guns' fault. Okay, so I'm glad you say this. I I, I can't play the um I, I can't play the monologue on radio because of some of the language in it. But there's a a comedian I have really come to like. His name is Neil Brennan. Uh, Neil Brennan was the writer and co-creator of the Chappelle Show with with David Chappelle, and he's got a it's a Netflix stand-up comedy special called Blocks. Now you should know 
that Neil Brennan's form of comedy is highly therapeutic. It is, it's his own therapy essentially on stage. I, and I, I feel bad saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've seen his stand-up. He's had several on Netflix. I actually want to go see him in person. But you watch Neil Brennan's stand-up, and you're left with the thought, not going to be surprised when I read in the paper he committed suicide. He struggles with depression, really struggles with depression. He's very liberal, um, but he he likes to make fun of the left. This is one of the reasons I like him because, listen, most comedians I like are do not share my politics. Dave Chappelle uh, had people walk out the other day because he was um, taking the side of the Palestinians right after that shooting. Um but I like Dave Chappelle's comedy, even if I disagree with him on politics tremendously. He's a very funny guy. He's he's a genius when it comes to weaving storytelling and humor together. Humor together. But Brennan has this one on guns in this comedy special called Blocks on Netflix. And he talks about, uh, you know, there are uh, so many gun deaths in America and— if you dealt with the if you dealt with the mental health issue, the suicide issue, you would lower the number of annual gun deaths in this country to about fifteen thousand, from somewhere over like fifty seven thousand. More than half of the gun deaths in the country are from suicides, and he says now fifteen thousand still a lot, but do you know how many people die of the flu every year? More than that. And his point is that if you dealt with the mental health component, you would massively reduce the number of gun deaths in the country, massively reduce the number of gun deaths if you dealt with mental health. And then of those extra shootings, if you dealt with gang violence, you would lower it even more. I mean, so many of the statistics on mass shootings involve drive-by gangland shootings. You get rid of those, you've, you've dramatically lowered. You're, you're not going to stop the evil man in Maine, frankly. The evil is out of the bottle, and you're not going to stop it. But if you really do care about gun deaths, you deal with mental health issues, and you deal with gangland shootings, and you've dramatically reduced the number of shootings in this country. But it's just ironic, interesting, notable how the left lectures us about mass shootings in this country but then won't actually push legislation to deal with mental health issues or crack down on gangs in this country. And when you bring up the south side of Chicago, they're like, oh, you can't talk about that. Have you seen your skin color? You're not allowed to talk about those shootings in Chicago. You're not, how do we say it, black. They're the ones who have to deal with it. A, a wonderful abdication of responsibility by progressive leaders in this country to say, ah, we can't talk about it. We're too white. You want to talk about everything else? Oh, my goodness. All right. Ivan, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hello. I had to take it off speaker. Um, President Biden was uh, calling for a ban on AR 15s. And uh, it was brought out in the local news that that ban expired under Bush. 
and it thought immediately hit me um, when Obama had the total House and Senate mm-hmm. um, control of the government. Why didn't they bring it back? That's fantastic. I have made this point regularly, and I'm glad you brought it back up, Ivan, because they had total control of the House and the Senate. And in fact, for a very short time in the Senate, when Arlen Specter switched, they had a filibuster-proof majority. They had a 60-vote Senate for a short time. They could have, and they did jack uh, when it came to it, because I personally think the Democrats want to fundraise off the dead kids. Oh, now, come on. Does that offend you when I say it? It's the same thing. Republicans uh, Republicans love to fundraise off dead kids, too. It's called the pro-life movement. Oh, did I? No, 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 no. Before you switch me off, you better listen to me. I know more than one Republican politician who campaigned as a pro-lifer the entire time in the back of his head, knowing the Supreme Court would never actually get Roe v. Wade. So he could fundraise off of it, love them babies in Jesus, and never have to deal with the issue because the Supreme Court would stop him. And it is fascinating to me how many of those people are sort of like, oh, we got to do something. We got we to gotta compromise on the issue. You just won because you people never believe. All these Republican politicians in Washington, they love to fundraise off the dead babies and stopping the dead babies, just like the Democrats do with the guns. They never actually want to solve the problem. There's not a Democrat in Washington who is pushing aggressively to repeal the Second Amendment, which is the only thing you can do. In the same way, there were never Republicans in Washington aggressively pushing to for a constitutional amendment for the pro-life cause because, oh, well, they'll never get the votes for that. I guess we'll just leave it to the Supreme Court. And then suddenly the Supreme Court does it. They're like, oh, we got to like compromise. We got to have some sort of compromise now that we've won and gotten exactly what we wanted. Democrats would do the same thing. If tomorrow the Supreme Court declared the end of the Second Amendment, all these pro-gun control Democrats would be like, oh, we got to do something. We got to do something. We got to compromise and let people have some form of guns. They would. They would. Why? Because a lot of Americans who say they're in favor of gun control aren't in favor of gun control against themselves. Just you hicks and rubes out there that they don't know. They all want their guns. In fact, many of them have guns or hire people with guns to protect them. But thankfully, we're not getting rid of the Second Amendment. It's funny how that works. Somewhat cruel of me, I guess, to point it out. I, y'all, I, so I've got a, a friend of mine who <laughs> will go nameless, who was in a meeting. This guy is very, very pro-life, actually worked for a pro-life group and also wrote for National Review and was sitting in a meeting with a couple of senators, Republican senators. And given the, it was a very establishment fundraising crowd in the small group and the Republican senators were absolutely dogpiling the the uh, ridiculous people at the March for Life that was happening that weekend. Just, I mean, belittling the. I mean, have you seen these 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 little idiots, um, the these little homeschool kid freaks and stuff? I mean, just it was it was belittling. And then turns to strike up a conversation with my friend and says, what do you do? And he said, I I work for National Review. And you could just see the blood pour out of the man's face that, oh, my God, I've belittled homeschoolers and pro-lifers 
in front of a writer for National Review. The whole thing was off the record, so he never never wrote about it. But um, true story. I will honor the off-the-record nature, not tell you the senator. He's no longer there, but he was a prominent Republican senator. And I've heard these stories repeatedly over the years from pro-lifers who have encountered these uh, members of Congress who just belittled pro-lifers. They fundraised off of them. They loved their babies, and they loved Jesus, and behind closed doors ridiculed them. Democrats do very much the same thing. Democrats do with gun control crowd. They do with progressive environmental activists. They they do. And, and what's so amazing is that the Democrats, I think, to some degree, are more ideologically predisposed to support those causes, but they're also just as, as happy to ridicule the, the supporters. Now, let's also be honest. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's deserved. Y'all, I go to these meetings. God bless the true believers. The diehards, I love them. They dedicate their lives to the cause. So, you know, Ed Meese, former U.S. Uh, former Attorney General under Ronald Reagan, very, very up in age now. Ed Meese and his wife live a very humble life. They don't live a flashy life. They don't have a mansion. He could, but he and his wife gave all their money to the cause. Ed Meese and his wife poured their money into the pro-life movement and the conservative movement, and they sacrificed not just for their family, but for the cause they believed in. They, they could have lived a, a much more elaborate, wealthy lifestyle, flown private, all those things, and they didn't. They, they have spent their money on the pro-life cause. I love people like that. God bless them. But there are also the people who are in the movement who lack the social skills who show up at the event, and it's it's always their issue. Like, for example, take the abortion absolute absolutists on the pro-life side. I, I, I have been yelled at by these people more than once who try to justify abortion through Scripture, but they're pro-life. Now, are you confused? You should be because there are people who refuse absolutely any compromise whatsoever. They would rather every baby be aborted than a solution that provides some abortion but generally cuts out abortion. Like, for example, in Georgia, we have this Georgia Right to Life group. It still exists. Georgia Right to Life opposed the fetal heartbeat legislation in Georgia. The organization opposed the fetal heartbeat legislation that said the moment the child has a beating heart, abortion is banned in the state. It's like a six-week abortion ban. They opposed the six-week abortion ban. Now, they still fundraised off of it after it passed and said, rah, rah, this is great. But they opposed it actively behind the scenes uh, to legislators. They didn't support it. Why? Because it allowed some abortions. This is the same group that when the late-term abortion legislation happened uh, in Washington, D.C. years ago, opposed it. There are abortion groups in the country, pro-life groups in the country that opposed the late-term abortion bill because it allowed early abortions. It's an all-or-nothing application with them. They, they, they're they so zealous in the cause, God bless them, they're, they're impossible to deal with because they essentially are on the side of the pro-abortionists just for different reasons. Some of you listening right now are horribly offended at me because you're on that side. And I'm sorry, I, I can't reason with you. I, I understand your arguments, but you're so you're you're so like you can't see the forest for the trees. You could save lives, but you don't want to save lives. 
Um, and it's you, we have this in the environmental movement as well, where, I mean, look at the people who went after Toyota. They could have saved uh, reduced carbon emissions and supported hybrid electric vehicles from Toyota. And instead, they said, absolutely not. It's got to be all battery or nothing. And they actually tried to boot the chairman of Toyota out of his own family company. It turns out he's won, and even GM and Honda and others are now saying, yeah, you know what? The the fully electric car is not practical. We're going to have to go Toyota's route and make the the hybrid EV. And these environmentalists are furious. They're like, it's got to be all battery or nothing. There can be no fossil fuel burning vehicles. And the auto industry is now like, I'm sorry, the electric vehicles aren't selling, so this is what we're going to do. And the environmentalists would rather everybody stick with fossil fuel burning cars then have hyperelectrics that reduce carbon emissions but don't get rid of fossil fuels altogether. It is a weird dynamic. Now, I must move on and tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. You get three of them for less than $200. So we're going to my wife's strongman competition. We're staying at a hotel uh, in uh, North Georgia, and I have my Eden Pure Thunderstorm with me. Why? Because it eliminates bad odors. And if someone smoked in the hotel room before I get there, I can plug it in and I can wipe out those odors. And I think you should consider getting one for your home. You can get three of them for less than $200. Upstairs, downstairs, your basement, your RV, your camper, your travel bag, wherever you need them, they wipe out odors. They also get rid of the dust and the pollen and the like. All you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in the discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. You will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com with a discount code ERIC. You can get rid of the dust and the pollen in the air. You don't have to get a filter subscription because it's filterless. It uses electrostatic plates. You can just clean it out. It plugs up with a USB cord in a car or directly into the wall. I've seen them in hotels, doctor's office last week, as a matter of fact, and I keep one in my travel bag. They're highly portable, about the size of your hand, a little bigger than your hand, and they can eliminate odors, smoke odors, pet odors, litter box odors, you name it. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code my name, Eric. I got to tell you guys, this, uh, I, the, the text message spam that I get these days. Let me just read you the text message I just got. And what is this area code? Is this California? Because they always seem to come from that. It is from, yep, California. Oh, it's San Francisco. It's, a, it's the text message spam. Have an amazing day, Linda. It's Judy. Are you free tomorrow? Let's play a round of golf. With the golf swinging emoji. Yeah, that is a scam. Linda isn't playing golf. That's my mother-in-law. I, I, She's not playing golf. I don't think she's ever played golf. I don't know who you are, Judy. But stop texting me all the stupid text message spam. Um, just absolutely ridiculous. I'm so tired of dealing with the text message spam. You would think that the FCC would be able to crack down on this stuff. But they haven't been able to. And it annoys me. That being said, if you want to call my number, it's not text message spam. You can actually call the show today, 877-973-7425. When we come back, I actually do have to talk about Ron DeSantis, which is kind of funny. So last night, I did this event called This Stuff Matters. And someone in the crowd asked me a question about the presidential contenders. And I was going through Haley, Scott, Christy, Ramaswamy, Pence. Never even, I mean, did it, 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 I just, I had talked about DeSantis previously, so I didn't talk about him in this list, and had five people come up to me afterwards. I was standing there taking pictures. Five people go, why didn't you mention DeSantis? What, what about DeSantis? So 
I'm making it up to people today because he's done something no other candidate on the Republican side could do. He has sent weapons and munitions to Israel using his power of as governor of Florida. Kind of a big deal, but does it even matter? I have thoughts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.